eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're here to kick around Florida, Missouri before Florida heads back on the road to try to wrap up its SEC schedule with a win. Uh, Blake, I think it's been a pretty successful year for Florida so far. Before we get into the Florida-Missouri game, though, I wanted to talk about one thing that Dan Mullen brought up this week, um, and that's Felipe Franks' health status. You know, obviously the Gators lost him for the season back in the Kentucky game with a dislocated and, and fractured ankle. Um, and we thought at the time that, you know, that injury looked pretty serious. Um, it turns out it was pretty serious, obviously, and uh, Franks underwent surgery. He actually just got out of the hard cast on Monday, uh, according to Dan Mullen. Um, but, you know, we were asking him kind of the outlook for Franks, you know, going forward. Is he going to be available for spring ball? You know, is he coming back at all? And uh, basically at this point, it sounds like Florida is not counting on Franks to be available for the spring, um, which to me raises some interesting questions because, you know, Florida – Kyle Trask has stepped in and played really well. Emory Jones, obviously, is a younger guy that, um, you know, he's in his second year here and is probably still not getting a ton of reps, probably not as many as he would like. Uh, so you start to wonder about his patience level. And um, I guess the, the question is, Blake, is um, for you, have, have you thought much about Florida's quarterback room in 2020 and, and the different ways this could maybe play out? You know, I actually have, and I think that it's, for me, it's interesting because yes, you have this uh, overcast now of you know Frank's not being ready for spring, you know the injury, you know how will he be when he comes back? You know, I, it's not you know like the worst injury in the world, so I don't know that it's going to be something where he comes back and he's you know not the same or you know something like that. But I think when you look at how Florida has used Emory Jones this year, how Kyle Trask has stepped up, like you said, but. I feel like whenever you do watch Florida's offense and you see Kyle Trask in there, there's the lack of a running quarterback. You know, you can't run those, you know, those kind of option plays, you know, the off tackles or at least even just, you know, a quarterback drive. You can't really run those things as frequently as you can with Kyle Trask. And that's obviously what Felipe Franks brings in. Um, it's an interesting discussion because it's it's one is a better thrower and run one maybe fits into what you're doing um, offensively as far as, you know, having some legs to do something. But and then you have this you know, kind of third wrench into throw into the system with Emory Jones. Again, you know, his patience level, he he can do a little bit of everything. But the, always the question is, is, is he ready? So I, I think it's it's a little bit of a complicated decision that Mullen's going to have on his hands here. You know, I, I don't know if I'm overcomplicating it, but, you know, I no, can I see what each so. person, br- I, I think each person legitimately brings something that they can utilize. 
Yeah, and I think you know the question is: is three too many? And sure, um, you, there's you not know, I, no, there's not going to be that question. many guys that hang out. Yeah, so I don't know. It was interesting to hear that that he's not going to be back for spring because you know it's one thing to say if you're Dan Mullen to Felipe Franks, hey, we'd love to have you back. Um, you know, you can compete for the starting job, etc. And and you know maybe Felipe Franks is the kind of guy that feels super confident in his ability and feels like, hey, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'll come back and compete. When you don't have spring ball to be able to, you know, make that evaluation, that really hurts because then if you're, you're Felipe Franks, it, well, it, not not that necessarily, but if you're Felipe Franks, you want to have that competition in the spring. That way, if it doesn't go the way you want, you know, Dan Mullen can say, hey, you know, we're really leaning towards towards Kyle Trask or, you know, even for Trask, if Trask was looking to play somewhere else and, and you know, they go through the spring and all of a sudden Dan Mullen says, you know, Kyle, you play great for us, but honestly, like, you know, Felipe... He was the starter before you got hurt. He's still playing really well. He gives us some running ability. You know, if you want to go search for another program to play, you have that option. When you don't have the spring, I think that makes it a lot trickier for Felipe Franks because you, I think you, in some ways, if you're Franks, you have to almost make that decision before the fall. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that if you're Felipe Franks, you want to spend one of your last, you know, your last year of eligibility. Um, going into a fall camp where you've got a position battle on your hands. And so, I know Franks has talked about it before, um, you know, and this was somewhat off the cuff when he, you know, he was, he was asked about, um, you know, what, what, what he would do, but he said, basically, I'm going to make a decision after the season. And to me, that sounds more like, um, you know, maybe he considers the NFL, but again, if you're not ready for spring ball, you're probably not ready for the combine. So that's another tricky one. Um, I just think it's going to be a really interesting, you know, situation to watch play out. And um, I think if you're, you know, if you're Emory Jones, I can understand Emory Jones, you know, given the fact that he's redshirting, I wouldn't put it past him to be patient enough to wait um, another year um, and and try to work in with a guy like Kyle Trask, or even if it's not Kyle Trask and it's Felipe Franks, as long as he's got, you know, some reasonable expectation that he's going to continue to get probably a little bit more than he, a little bit more work than he's getting right now. I think you could, you know, convince him that, hey, you're going to have two years as the starter here after 2020 whereas you know with with franks that decision is much more kind of on a on a sword's edge there you know depending on how that battle would go so i don't know i thought it was interesting that uh we finally got some clarity on you know frank's probably not going to be ready for the spring and um i guess it it really doesn't matter blake for this week um and so we'll we'll move on to missouri but um it's an interesting talking it's a discussion though because i think if you're asking me right now and i and i had to guess I would guess that Felipe Franks ends up making the decision to either jump to the NFL draft or try to transfer and play somewhere. Um, you know, I, I I do believe that, like you said, he's got a little bit more running ability than Kyle Trask, but I just don't know how you look at Kyle Trask and what he's done in terms of the decision-making. And then I think even the week-to-week improvement with Kyle Trask, I think that's probably happening quicker for Trask than it did for Franks. And specifically, some of the running ability that you're talking about I thought in the Vanderbilt game, Kyle Trask really showed a lot of that, uh, that ability to, hey, finally tuck it and run it. Um, you know, when you get a lane, you know, he had the rushing touchdown there. That was a really good scramble play. He had another couple that he ran for first down. I think you're starting to see signs that, that you're, you're getting some of what you lost with Franks, even with the legs from Kyle Trask. He's never going to be as, as good of an athlete, but I just don't know how if you're Dan Mullen um, and Felipe Franks is really pressing you, hey, you know, I've got to make a decision before you know, going into the fall, what I'm doing with this year. I don't know how you're, if you're Dan Mullen, you turn to him and say, 
hey, we're benching Kyle Trask. I just, I just don't know. Kyle Trask has been too productive, in my opinion, for that to happen. And so for me, I think the most likely way this plays out is probably Kyle Trask and Emory Jones are your two guys next year, and Felipe Franks is looking for another option. But I don't know. I thought that was just uh, at least a note worth sharing from Dan Mullen that, that Franks is not going to be ready for the spring. But, uh, Blake, let's, let's start talking about Missouri because this is obviously a big game. You know, Florida's looking to wrap up its SEC slate. Um, in terms of the SEC East, you know, it's probably not going to happen for Florida. I mean, I'm not saying Georgia can't lose a game. I just don't see them losing both the Auburn and the A&M games. Um, but for Florida to have a chance, they have to win this game. So, Blake, uh, what are your initial impressions of Missouri? You know, obviously, I know they've been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that that's still kind of what they are. You know, I know they're riding a little bit of a losing streak as far as SEC games these last couple weeks, but they, they've they've shown, A, the ability to beat Florida even whenever they may not have this big illustrious record. Um, they play a lot better at home. Um, you're getting a quarterback and Kelly Bryant back. So I, I think there's some positives to where I think you could probably get a decent shot for Missouri this weekend. Um, obviously, as far as how their season has gone, I think if you can upset a team like Florida at home, I, I think that this is something that they can, you know, kind of check off the playlist of things at this point to what we're playing for. So, um, you know, I, I think that Missouri has a chance and, it, and it's kind of like last year heading into the Florida game. They really weren't a great team leading up to that. And then they beat Florida and they kind of finish off the season on a high point. So I think that this could be, you know, maybe a little bit of some comparisons to that that same kind of setup. But, you know, I think that Florida, um, you know, has a little bit more of some veterans on their team. You know, they've obviously I think that Florida is going to put up a little bit better of an effort this week. And you're not coming off of a Georgia game last year where you lost. So there's different parts of it. But, um, you know, I think this could this is, you know, a definition of trap game to me. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, you know, you talked about Missouri being good at home. They're scoring more than 40 points per game at, at home. And look, frankly, they haven't been at home for a while. I mean, they've been, you know, it's like Florida after the Auburn game was gone from the swamp for a month. Missouri's in the same boat. They've played three straight road games, which you don't really see a whole lot uh, on the SEC schedule. And clearly it's taken a toll on them. I mean, you know, last week they were shut out by Georgia. Um, but, you know, this is a, like I said, this is a very different team at home. And like you pointed out, I think, you know, the schedule for Missouri sets up nicely if you're able to spring in an upset in this one. You got Tennessee and Arkansas coming up. Um, those are both pretty winnable games. So, you know, Missouri's looking at a potential eight-win season. And, um, you know, there's there's going to be plenty to play for. And like you said, they've had Florida's number. Um, you know, on the, on the flip side, I think Florida has plenty to play for, too. I mean, we mentioned the SEC East. But, um, Blake, I was looking at the, you know, the college football playoff rankings uh, that came out on Tuesday. And, with Florida sitting at number 11 and some of the teams they're in front of, the Gators have a great shot on a New Year's Six Bowl, um, but you have to win this one. I, I think the Florida State game, um, you know, I, I think this game's trickier than that one because Florida State, you're always going to get up for that. It's a huge rivalry game. It's at home. Uh, you've got a bye week to prepare for that one. Senior day. Um, there's, there's so many reasons to get amped for that game, and, and frankly, Florida State's not very good. I, I think we're legitimately not sure, you know, whether Missouri is Jekyll or Hyde here, you know, I mean, which, which, which team shows up. And if Kelly Bryant is pretty close to hundred percent, you know, on that hamstring, they're, they're a different team. So for Florida, I think it's about locking in and, and really taking advantage of the spot that they're in. I mean, we, we talked about a 10 win season, uh, on our previous episode, and that's a big deal for Florida. You go back to back 10 win seasons that hadn't happened since urban Meyer was in town. Um, now I know, I know the way this season's gone, you know, there's a couple Florida fans that feel like they left some things out on the table, and I'm 
I'm sure even the Gators themselves would tell you that they feel that way. Um, but I think that there's a lot to play for still. And for both of these teams, this is going to be one of those games where I think we really find out uh, in some ways whether or not Florida is fully bought in on Dan Mullen. I mean, you know, I, I like, love the way that they bounced back last week. I thought the attitude was good. The energy was right. But that was Vanderbilt. I mean, we, we knew like going into that one that Florida was going to kill. I mean, we don't we don't know in this one, I would say. Yeah, you know, I think that Florida has the pieces to, to put up a big performance. Um, but at the same time, too, I feel like this is always just such a hard game to predict as far as Florida's schedule goes because you look at it last year or even another year that Missouri's won where you're like, eh, I'm not too sure about that. You know, I, I think Florida can win this game, and then, you know, they pull off an upset. So I think this is one of those games that truly has been a, a bit of a coin flip. And I know it's, you know, people look at the record like, man, this guy's crazy. What is he talking about? But it just, it's been one of those type of games for Florida. And you're going to be playing at 11 a.m. local time. It's probably going to be gonna cold. it's going to be freezing. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be an adjustment for Florida. But, Blake, let's get into uh, X's and O's matchup-wise a little bit. Um, but let's first take a, a real quick commercial break, and we'll be back right on the other side, breaking down some of the offense versus defense matchups. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, we talked about some of the importance of this game for both teams. Let's, let's go ahead and dive right into, I guess, where this game will really be won or lost. Um, Let's start with Missouri's defense, because I thought I had a chance to watch some of the Georgia game last week, and and I was pretty impressed by what I saw. I know Georgia ends up winning that game 27-0, but for the most part, the Tigers really made them work for it. Um, You know, it it looked like your typical Barry Odom defense, where they're very well coached. Um, They play very sound up front, really don't give you much easy. um, They just don't give you much easy, I would say, is the best way to put it. What, um, What stands out to you about Missouri on that side of the ball, Blake? You know, I think that their linebackers are really, uh, you know, look, I was looking at stats earlier. They have one who is, uh, you know, one of the leaders in interceptions. They have one who's a leader in tackles. So, again, you know, their front seven, I think, is really impressive. Um, And, and, you know, that's, I think it brings a different dynamic to to Florida because playing on the road with an offensive line that has been uh, Jekyll and Hyde themselves at times and a run game that has been, you know, kind of the same unless you can piece little runs here and there together. Um, So, you know, I think that you really – you really have to play smart football here, you know, and I, I know that it doesn't make things a lot, you know, again, I, I truly, I, I'm on board with you saying that, you know, their defense isn't going to make things easy. And, and you know, here I am saying that Florida is going to have to take what they can get and to take the easy. But I think that Florida has shown so far this season, that they're really good. At least Kyle Trask is really good at making smart decisions with the football. And I, I think that, you know, Again, here's another game that I'm kind of putting on his shoulders a little bit, but I think Florida is going to have the pieces, at least at the wide receiver position to, you know, to make those plays. 
Well, that's going to be the interesting thing, I think, to watch because Missouri is ranked number one in the SEC against the pass. Um, and they've got some players. You know, it's not – this is one of those teams that – it almost reminds me of the Georgia game a little bit where there's not necessarily a bunch of guys on this defense that you're circling. You know, I think you mentioned, uh, you know, the linebackers, Nick Bolton, uh, Kale Garrett. They're both pretty good. But this this defense, to me, doesn't even have – some of the guys that you're used to seeing at Missouri, you know, where you've got a Michael Sam or, you know, just a super disruptive Terry type Beckner player. Jr. Exactly. So I, I don't see those guys this year, but like Georgia, I think they just play really, really well together. And you see that they're just very fundamentally sound. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if Florida's, you know, receivers can take advantage of that matchup. I mean, not a whole lot of teams have been able to, I mean, Missouri's only given up 147 yards through the air per game. So, you know, ironically, this would be the one game where you would think Florida would need to run the ball. And like you said, Florida hadn't really been able to do that this year. You know, that's that's the one spot Missouri is vulnerable. And if you're looking at this as, you know, a Florida fan, you're like, oh, like that, that doesn't sound good. Like, you know, the one thing we're not good at, you know, is where they're kind of weak. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think, like you said, um, I think Kyle Trask is going to have to be very smart with the football. But I also think that Florida is going to have to be very patient on offense. You know, this is I don't see this game being a shootout at all. I mean, this this has all the makings of a classic low scoring game to me. Um, And, you know, I think Florida, if if they don't go down early, if they don't turn it over early, I think Dan Mullen's perfectly fine with that. You know, we've talked about this all year. As long as Dan Mullen is able to coach the game the way he wants to. He's generally pretty good doing that. But, Blake, I, I see this as a game where Florida's got to be very patient on offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow-moving game. But I do think that if Florida is going to get the rush game going, I think that a little bit of an X factor could be Emory Jones. I think that, again, I know last week it was Vandy. Um, but I think he brings a different dynamic to Florida's offense. And you look back to the LSU game, I thought he brought a little bit different of a dynamic there, you know, being able to run. And, you know, teams, you line them up out there, that's going to be the first thing they think he's going to do. But he still is, you know, really elusive. He's quick burst. I think he does a lot of things that to where he can still make way and make, and pick up some yards even though you know what he's doing. So um, I, I think that uh, – you know, the thing with that, with, with using Emory, though, it's it always seems that they bring him in a little bit of a weird time or it's, you know, enduring into a drive. So I think playing smart with him, not only, you know, really trying to capitalize what he does with his legs, but smartly. I think that's the way you have to do it, even if you have to give him some drives of his own. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think they should just rather than kind of inserting a mid drive when contrast seems to be getting a rhythm? Would you rather see them? Just give him a full series at some point in the game? Sure, I would. I think that it's the time. I think that they've been patient enough with him. Um, you know, he brings a run factor to the game that that obviously hurts the Missouri defense. So I think if you're going to try a game, I mean, you've already used the red shirt before in the past. I mean, it's not like you're playing for a red shirt at this point. Right, sure. um, I think if you're going to use it and see what he does, do it against a team that isn't good against the run. So at least then he has that, you know, that escape factor to where he could probably pick up some yards with his feet. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think you're right. I think this would be a good game to see a little bit more of Emory. Um, one other thing I guess we should note, too, is uh, we think that Brett Heggie will be back this week. So, you know, Florida should be a li- at least a little bit deeper on the offensive line. I know Ethan White played really well last week. Um, but, you know, you'd like to see Florida be able to run it a little bit. Maybe that's how you do it. You get Emory involved a little bit more. Um, but, Blake, I so here's the thing for me. I, I think Florida's going to have to be patient. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. To me, and I don't I, I'm going to say this is one of my keys to the game. We're not necessarily getting into the keys to the game yet. But I think Florida's defense has to slow down Missouri early. I think the real key, and, and we've seen it in some of these games that Missouri comes up uh, you know, in recent years and has really put it to Florida, is because they get off to a hot start offensively. 
you know, Florida can't slow down the running back. You know, they get the quick passing game going, and it's like Florida is just clawing from from you know from the start. This game to me comes down to Florida's defense really shutting down Kelly Bryant and uh, and making sure that you know that Missouri's not able to put up points early, get the crowd into it at home, and, and really get some momentum. Yeah, I think that that's kind of been the Achilles heel, like you said. Missouri has over the at least over the the games that they've won. You know, they kind of jump out of this early lead that Florida's never able to come back to, or, or you know, Florida just doesn't really show as many signs of life. I kind of go back to that game where Randy Shannon took over as the interim coach, and just like, you know, it's like the meme where the guy's poking something with a stick, saying, "Come on, do something." So they've had those <laughs> kind of games, um, but you know. Drew Locke isn't back there anymore. I'm not trying to put Kelly Bryant in the same boat as that. But he's another quarterback, though, that if you let him have time and you let him hurt you, he's going to. Right. Yeah, no no doubt. And the other thing is, I think, it, you know, assuming he's pretty close to healthy, and I'm just taking Barry Odom's word for that. You know, he says he's pretty close to 100%. Um, Florida has not always fared extremely well against running quarterbacks with Ty Grantham. Um, you know, Joe Burrow really, really hurt Florida. Um, and granted, Jerry. you know, yeah, and granted, Florida had you know some guys out for that LSU game, and they're much closer to healthy. They they think Jabari Zaniga is going to be back this week. I don't know if I trust them, um, but you know John Grenard is is fully healthy again, so that's good. Um, this is going to be a game where Florida has to get pressure, but it has to do it you know in a smart way, and you 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 cannot allow him to uh, gain some momentum by picking up key third downs with his legs. I think Blake. I think the other big matchup that I, I think maybe the biggest one is. Uh, finding a way to stop tight end Albert O. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. Um, but he's been, you know, certainly a pretty big weapon for Missouri this year. Yeah, and I think Larry Roundtree is another guy, too, you have to watch. I feel like that guy's been there forever. Like, uh, man, another year of Larry Roundtree. But yeah. he always seems to have a really strong performance against Florida. And I know he's not really this big, scary, imposing back. And Florida's, you know, played some some decent backs this year. But I think that, you know, if you're going to have a rushing quarterback that can do some things too, it you know you want to watch the running back too. I think you could do some different things there. Um, you know, I, I think that he is one guy that at least in the last couple couple games, you know, if Zuniga is not ready, you know, I know Grenard is supposed to be ready, but you know, if Florida's been banged up, they've given up some rushing yards too. So I think Roundtree is another guy you have to keep an eye on. Yeah, you know, for whatever reason, Florida does always seem to struggle with this single back type stuff that Missouri runs. I, I don't. You know, I'm not a huge X's and O's guy, so I can't quite put my finger on it. But they really always just seem to crease Florida. And the the, the single back stuff that they run, uh, you know, where they spread spread you out and you're in nickel a lot. Uh, to me, it's always been a horrible game for Voshan Joseph. Like, for whatever reason, it was like his Achilles heel was playing this type of offense where they really spread you out and they put the emphasis on that linebacker to make sure he's in his gap and makes the play. Um I'm not sure Amari Bernie's going to play in this one. He's still dealing with that knee sprain. He looked pretty, pretty gimpy to me earlier in the week. Um, so if he's out, you know, you're talking about guys like James Houston and Ventrell Miller being in that role where they have to be very gap sound. And, you know, as good as Miller's been at certain points this year, he hasn't always been the most disciplined in the gap. So I think you're absolutely right. I think Roundtree, you know, that's a guy that you have to stop as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Houston and Miller can really step up their game because I thought, I thought both played pretty well last week. Um, but again, that was not necessarily this single back type stuff where, you, you know, you're really going to have your linebackers in some ways isolated in space. And Missouri's definitely hurt Florida with that. So uh, that's a great point. Roundtree's, Roundtree's definitely another guy to circle. Um, but to me, I, I still go back to Albert O, you know. Um, I don't know exactly how Florida's going to defend him. And this is where I think Bernie potentially being out really hurts. Because I think he's a guy that you can leave out there in your base looks, and if you need to, you know, have him cover the, you know, cover Albert O out there in the slot or whatever, 
I think that's no problem. But I don't know that you have another guy from a linebacker standpoint that's capable of covering Albert O. And uh, we were talking to some Florida players this week, and um, I think it was Donovan Steiner said, um, you know, based on how they were doing their stuff early in the week, if he felt like it was going to be mostly the strong safeties covering. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of Juwan Taylor and a lot of Brad Stewart trying to cover Albert O. Uh, that's a tough matchup, man. It's a tough matchup. You know, we saw Georgia hit that key third down to uh, end the game against Brad Stewart, just slightly out of position. And Albert O, man, he's a guy you give him, you give him a little window. He's going to take it, and then he's going to get some yards after the catch. Yeah, definitely. You know, tight ends, rushing quarterbacks, a lot of things that Florida's defense hasn't fared well with. So they're going to have to really play smart football this weekend. All right, Blake. Well, I don't I don't think we need to make this a particularly long episode of the podcast. I know I went on my, my little basketball rant the other day and took us well over our time slot. So uh, I guess we're talking uh, about the Towson matchup. No, no. Our pass. Yeah, I'm good. You know, Florida, Florida basketball can run it back for me. You know, we'll, we'll have some fun non-conference games for those guys going forward. But uh yeah, the Towson Tigers don't rate highly up there on my list of things to talk about on the podcast. Only if they bring little Joe Flacco. There you go, man. There you go. Hey, oh, running quarterback. There you go. It's another. I was trying to think of another one other than Burrow because I knew it had happened. But uh, yeah, Flacco was the other one that hurt him. All right, Blake. Well, all right. Now that we're talking about things that could hurt Florida and whatnot, what uh, what's your key to the game? I think you have to get out early if it's on the road. You know, get up early. I, I don't know that. You know, Missouri's going to be down. I know that they're coming back for for a home game, so that's going to kind of have them juiced up. But they're also coming off of some losses, too. So I think Florida getting ahead early is kind of a key factor there. Um, Kind of impose your will, continue the ride of, you know, the shutout you pitched last week and and kind of ride that momentum into the, you know, to the final game against FSU and into the bowl game. Um, You know, defensively, I think you have to play smart football because they're going to try to space you out with Kelly Bryant throwing it around. You know, they have a good tight end matchup. You know, you have to play smart gap football against a you know, running back. This is a team that has hurt Florida over the years. So, um, you know, I think that offensively, you know, I think it's Kyle Trask. You have to play smart football because, you know, you just can't count on the run game. So, um, yeah, I think there's a couple keys. My biggest key, though, is probably getting out early and imposing your will. You know, you're at home. Take the air out of the stadium and, you know, get in, freeze a little bit and get out. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, those are all good points. I think to me, uh, you know, I kind of already said it a little bit. I think, you know, when you're looking at games, there's always those games where you're like, okay, I'm putting this one on the Florida offense. Like when Florida went to LSU, you knew that the offense had to have a big day because LSU was going to score some no matter what. No matter how well Florida's defense played, LSU was going to score some points. And uh, I think this game, this is a game for Florida's defense to go out, set the tone, and win. Like you said, I think um, you know if they can kind of set the tone early on, that's really going to help. But to me, that starts defensively as well. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, some of these games that Missouri's won and you look down at it, they score a lot of points on you if, if, uh, if you let them. So I think for me, the Florida defense really just has to play gap sound football. I think if you can, if you can slow down the run, I feel okay that, you know, okay, you maybe give up a couple here and there to Kelly Bryant with his legs. You maybe give up a couple here to Alberto, you know, some of these receivers, but overall, I don't think that this Missouri offense has the kind of scoring potential that, you know, like you said, some of those drew lock units had. Um, but you know, I do think Missouri is very, very sound on the other side of the ball. And so I think it's going to take Florida's offense, you know, several cracks at it probably to really get going and to really establish itself. So the Florida defense to me has to play very well from the start. And then the, the other, the real key I would say is Florida cannot turn the ball over. Um, you know, we've seen too many times if you give Missouri extra possessions in these games, they're going to take advantage. And I think if you turn it over, you know, on offense for Florida, all of a sudden you're 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 just asking for that crowd to get into it. You're asking for the crowd to pick up some momentum. 
you know, you give Kelly Bryant and that offense another chance, all of a sudden, you know, it's one more possession. You've got to go out there and defend. Um, I just think turnovers are going to be a big key in the game. And look, that's an area Florida's done really well. You know, Florida's number one in the SEC in takeaways. Missouri, you know, kind of middle of the pack there. They're only seventh in the conference in takeaways. So I think if you play smart football and then the Florida defense really shows up to play, I think those are my two keys to the game. Blake, uh, you got a score prediction for us? Yeah, I'm thinking a 28-17 type of game. You know, I think Florida wins comfortably, um, but it might be a little bit closer than obviously last week. But, uh, you know, I think Missouri has the pieces. They're back at home. Um, I think they can, you know, I think they can put up a fight, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. I'm kind of with you. I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring. Um, I think I think this is going to be a game where Florida fans feel frustrated with the offense because I, I just think Missouri's sound enough that, uh, you know, even as good as Kyle Trask has been, I don't see Kyle Trask picking apart this defense. Um, I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a game where you have to be patient. So I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring. Um, I'm going to go 24 to 13. I, th- I think that Florida um, is in a really good headspace mentally. I think that, you know, the bounce back last week, like Dan Mullen said, they kind of got their edge back. You know, they're, they're feeling better about things. And uh, I, I think that this team is pretty locked into focusing on the right things. You know, there's still a New Year's Six Bowl out there. You know, the, the SEC East is still technically on the line. But I, for the first time, am really starting to buy that these guys – are actually locked in mentally to the point where they they don't care about any of that stuff. They just want to go out and they want to beat Missouri. So 24-13, Blake, that's my score. Um, unless you got anything else to add, man, we'll, we'll cut it a little bit short today and uh, come back uh, a little later. Probably It'll probably be Monday with the next podcast. No, nothing to add to me. All right, guys, well, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back Monday because I'm actually traveling up to Columbia, so I've got like a three-way connection on my way back. It'll be a, It'll be a long Sunday for me. Uh, but that'll give me, you know, if we, we come back Monday morning, that'll give me a chance to rewatch the game. And uh, we'll give you our thoughts. And, you know, hopefully Florida's sitting here and Georgia has lost to uh, Auburn and Florida's, you know, clinging on to that hope for the SEC East. But uh, that'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.